I'm happy to say that this church has been involved with IJM, International Justice Mission, for a number of years as we uh, take part in their efforts to end human trafficking, human slavery. We're fortunate today that we have a representative or two out in the uh, lobby. I would encourage you to go talk to them, find out what you can do to help end uh, the scourge in our lifetime. I was just over in Ghana a couple of months ago and personally met with some little boys that were just elementary school age. Uh, they were tricked or taken or stolen or any number of stories. Some of them uh, so young uh, that they will never be reunited with their families again. And they couldn't even say what country they'd come from. And all they'd known uh, for so much of their brief life was just toil and slavery and hard work until an organization like IJM helped to raid and rescue them and put them into a school where they could have a future and a hope. And so I encourage you to be involved. Uh, and then you can talk to the representative outside there today if you'd like to. My name is Michael Coffey, and I'm one of the pastors here. If you are visiting, uh, the senior pastor, Dr. Marty Baker, is out in California. He had to sell his mother-in-law's house because she had to go into assisted living, so I called him this week. He was happy with a paintbrush in his hand, and it uh, looks like uh, that's going well, and they're going to put the house up for sale on 1 October, and then after he finishes painting and trimming the hedges and all that sort of thing, gets the house up for sale, he and his wife Liz are going to take their grandchildren to Disneyland while they're out there. So he's uh, having a good time while he's out there in a way. Uh, Mickey Garverick and Ruth Garverick, who have been involved in this church for a lot of time, uh, always give me great things uh, to be aware of. And one I want to bring to your attention is that two... Uh, Military chiefs of chaplains have asked for churches to pray uh, for suicides to not be so prevalent in the military services. Uh, the Air Force Chief of Chaplains, Chaplain Major General Sheikh, and uh, the Army Chaplain Major General uh, Soljum have asked that the churches would band together. So let's, uh, let's reward them uh, as guys who are in uniform, who when the military is facing a difficulty like suicide, uh, had the courage to say, well, we ought to get churches praying uh, for this. So let's pray for a moment here. Heavenly Father, suicide time and time and time again is such a permanent end to what is such temporal problems and sorrows in life. And so we pray that not only in the military, but especially in the military, that you would intervene, that you would help, that you would bring people alongside those who are suffering, that find themselves in a deep and dark place with no hope, that you, who always offer hope, would have your church be involved, not the least of which is by praying. We ask it in your name. Amen. Well, you know, it's Northern Virginia, so your mind is always busy and be torn in 20 different directions. So I'd ask you to focus for a few moments uh, here. I have about 17 minutes to do the sermon today, and I would like to uh, teach you something really important in about 17 minutes. So listen carefully, because a few things I'm going to say here would actually defy belief if they were not so plainly listed in the pages of Scripture. From the beginning of time, the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit always had a plan that you and I would not be left alone with our sin problem, with no way to fix it. That from the beginning of time, the plan was that they would send the perfect sacrifice, Jesus Christ, to take the place of me, the guilty, with his death, the innocent, so that he could then offer me a free gift of salvation. Nothing I could do to work and earn it. Simply accept that he, the innocent, died for me, the guilty, and then my sin was gone forever, and I have hope of eternal life. 
same triune God from the very beginning also planned to place his eternal son, his Holy Spirit, inside every believer when you become a Christian. If you are a Christian, God, with undiminished power. And I want to pause right there. Hear the words that I just said. If you're a Christian, God with undiminished power lives in you, dwells in you, resides in you. Jesus Christ is willing to let his life be lived through me, lived through you moment by moment if we'll give him the freedom to do that. When Christ lives in me, when he lives his life through you, he brings every single divine resource. He didn't lose some divine resources because somehow or another he managed to fit inside each and every one of us. He has every divine resource that he as almighty God has ever had. So every time you face a need, you meet it with the almighty God who created the universe but now is inhabiting you. I mean, the universe that it's infinite to us. We can't even see where it ends. He knows exactly where and how it ends. The universe that has planets and heavenly bodies perfectly placed, spinning right on time, on target, century after century. The universe that has mysteries like black holes that were created for his own purpose that we don't fully understand. That is the same almighty God that lives in me lives in you as a Christian with no loss of power, no loss of wisdom, and he dwells inside each one of us. He's placed his son into our lives so that we can carry out the assignment that he has for our lives. And he even says in Ephesians 3 that he's prepared good works ahead of time, that if we'll just yield our life to him and walk in his way, we will do so many amazing good works in this life. Now, I don't know about you, but for me, that has very significant implications for my Christian life. I realize that being a disciple of Christ is much more than just picking up some theological head knowledge, memorizing some scripture, going to church pretty regularly, doing some kind deeds here and there. It's not about my activities. It's not about what I do. Being a disciple of Christ means that I am actively forming a relationship with Almighty God who happens to dwell inside me and inside you as a believer. To be a follower of Christ means that I learn to give total access of my life so that he can live his life through me. Now that says easy, but what I find is that whenever I try to do it by faith, moment by moment, it takes constant reevaluation. It takes constant recalibration to let him live his life through me. But I want you to grasp a really important truth here this morning. Probably the greatest difficulty that you will have is truly believing that your relationship with Christ is the heart of your Christian life. Not activity, not Bible, not church work, not memorization, your relationship with Christ. When you face a crisis, when I face a crisis, do people see Jesus Christ responding to whatever crisis I'm facing? I think back about the story where Jesus was teaching and then he told his disciples, many of whom were 
professional fishermen. Okay, let's get in a boat and go across to the other side. Please note that in that passage, he did not say, okay, let's get in a boat, go out in the middle of the lake, and drown. <laughs> Didn't say it. Let's get in a boat, let's go to the other side. And they were going across, and it says that he went in the back of the boat, and was lying down, taking a nap. And I've been on the Sea of Galilee. The storms can come up pretty suddenly. These are professional fishermen. Think about one of those shows you watch on TV, you know, about Alaskan guys out in the Bering Sea. Storm came in, but it was such a bad storm that suddenly they're running around with a high, keeny, whining voice, screaming. Not their best moment, screaming. Oh my gosh, we're going to die. We're going to die. Don't you get it? We're going to die. Wake up. We are about to die. <laughs> he wakes up, perfectly divine, all power, tells the storm to stop, immediately turns and rebukes them for their lack of faith. To my knowledge, probably went back finished the nap while they went across the thing. How do I respond to a crisis? Does my family see a difference when I face a financial or a medical need? Let me ask you a question. You're a Christian. Does the fact that I've reminded you again that Almighty God with all power, all wisdom, all might lives in you, you are his home, does that make any real difference at all in your day-to-day -day life? Does it make any difference in the way you live your life? God wants to reveal himself to those around me, my neighbors, work associates, other relatives of mine. He wants to do the same through you. He wants your family to see Christ living through you every day, just like he wants to see it happen in my life, that my family sees Christ living he wants to express his love through you. So the point of today's message, if there is a point, and I surely hope there is, <laughs> the point of today's message is that there is a great difference between me trying to live the Christian life in my own strength and faltering weak power, which means really that I'm just doing a very poor and bad imitation of Jesus in my own power versus letting the actual Lord of the universe, the Lord Jesus Christ, live his life through me moment by moment by faith. There's a world of difference between that. But the scriptures could not be more clear than they are on this teaching. When Jesus is in the upper room a couple hours before he's going to be tried and then brutally killed, He's teaching his disciples that what you've seen, what you've experienced these three years with me is what I now want you to do. He could say, I have lived over 30 years. I have never sinned once. Not one time. What you've seen me do is because the Father is living through me as I yield my life to him. That's what I want from you when I go away. I want you to yield your life to me. What I have modeled, I want you to do. Look at John 14. It says it very plainly. He's saying this, and Philip is trying to get his mind wrapped around it, one of his disciples. So he's like, whoa, okay. Just show us the Father. That will be enough for us. And look at how Jesus responds to him. Don't you know me, Philip? Even after I've been among you such a long time, 
Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. You're asking me, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I'm in the Father and that the Father is in me? I'm letting him live through me. I'm yielding my life to him to work through me. The words I say to you, I do not speak of my own authority. Rather, it is my Father living in me who's doing the work. Believe me when I say I'm in my Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the miracles of the works themselves. It's God the Father living through me. I am yielding my life. So he could say, I have accomplished everything my Father wanted me to accomplish. I have said everything he wants me to say. Because I yielded my life. I was in such close relationship with him that he lived through me. A yielded life. That's what I want from you. That's what I expect from you. You doubt that? Just a couple of verses later in John 15, 5, he explains that. Can I get that verse up here? He says, I'm the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Now this is a great branch. This morning, whenever I headed out from home, I cut it out of my garden. I cut it off the vine that was there. I brought it in here because in this town, it's always helpful to have a subject matter expert on anything uh, that we talk about. So I brought it in here as a subject matter expert on this whole branch vine thing. And so uh, you, you were a branch uh, that you know, was just separated from the vine this morning. So can you please tell me in the audience today what it is that you're capable of doing? Nothing. <laughs> okay. Um, I see. I mean, when you say nothing, what exactly do you mean? <laughs> Nada. Zip. Zippo. Zero. Diddly. Okay. Well, I mean, this is a little more cerebral churches uh, maybe than some. So if we were to look at the original word used in the uh, Greek New Testament, would the Greek give us any more insight as to what nothing means? Are you kidding? Okay, I'll take that as a no. All right. Well, thank you, Branch. We'll continue on with the sermon now. Okay. Shriveling and fading away. Yeah. You get the point. There's not going to be any grapes on this thing. It's shriveling and fading away now. As soon as it was cut away from the true vine. Look what he says in John 15, the rest of that. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, Ask whatever you wish. Why? It's the same principle as what he did with his heavenly father. Ask whatever you wish because it's so aligned with what the heavenly father wants to do. Ask whatever you wish. It will be done for you. This is to my father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the father has loved me, so I've loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commandments, you'll remain in my love just as I kept my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I've told you this so that your joy may, so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. Is Christ living his life through me now? He didn't flinch from saying it. What you saw me do, this is what I want you to do when I'm gone and I reside inside you. If anybody understood this, it was the Apostle Paul who tried for years to please God with a lot of activity as a Pharisee and from a human perspective was a, you know, 
top contender. Except that he realized, yeah, that's all rubbish. I can't work my way to heaven. I can't live the Christian life. So he's teaching at a church in Galatia, which is in Turkey. And here's the pitfall that we pastors are especially guilty of sometimes. We're pretty good about clearly telling you, you can't earn your salvation. It is a free gift. You either accept it as a gift or you missed it. But then we create little Galatians for most of our career that somehow we communicate that, well, you're freely forgiven, but boy, you're on your own now, you know. That's why we have all these seminars around here at church or something because, you know, it's like having a car and we're all going around here. The, the car is the Christian life. We're all pushing it. Some of us are pushing it better than others and things like that, but everybody's... Uh, Christianity seems to suffer when it gets a little hilly because it's hard to push that car until somebody finally says, why are you uh, pushing that car? Well, I like this car. I, I think this car is important, but I do get a little wary sometimes pushing around here, but I like things like the horn and things like that. And while he's talking, you reach in and you turn the key and they say, whoa, what's that noise? As you turn on the engine and they are exposed for the first time to an external power source besides themselves. That is what we are talking about here. Paul knew that in Galatians 2.20 as he's trying to explain to the Galatians, hey, you didn't get saved by the Spirit and now you're on your own. He says, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. But Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. He got it. He understood what the spirit-filled life was. It's an exchange life. Jesus' life for mine. Jesus' life for yours. When he takes control, your life displays changes in power that you would never have the capability of displaying. When you're weak, then he's going to display strength in your life. You can see that in 2 Corinthians. It says it very plainly. When you face situations that overwhelm you, you don't even have the ability to know what to do. You only have to ask. Residing inside you is Almighty God with the infinite wisdom of God available to you. When you're faced with humanly impossible situations, he tells you in Luke 18 that you're right. Humanly, this is impossible. With God, all things are possible. When you encounter mean, harsh, unlovely, or difficult people, he can express his unconditional love toward them through you, just as he did toward me when I was mean, harsh, unlovely, and difficult. And yet Christians reached out to me to tell me of the love of God and the possibility of being forgiven and being with God forever. When you're at a loss about how to speak or pray for someone, the Spirit can guide you in your prayers. When... Jesus Christ, at the moment that you become a Christian, takes up residence in your life as a believer. Don't just gloss over these words of Holy Scripture like, you know, they're just kind of religious sounding words. He put them here for a reason. Every single word is handpicked by God. It says that when Christ took up residence in our life as believers, all the fullness of God resided there inside you too. Ephesians 3, all the fullness of God inside us. So you can say in the very next verse, that was 319 in verse 20. And so as a result, God is able to do it seeding abundantly beyond all you could ask or think. 
Now that should be marvelously freeing to know that God wants to control my life, wants to control yours, and he already knows what my life and what your life could be if we would just yield control to it. Rather than constantly wor worrying about what I'll face or if some challenge is too great, the goal then becomes how can I release more of myself? How can I release more of my life to God's control? The temptation is, no, you know, I'll, I'll just, I don't really like to give control of myself to anything, so I'll just polish as best I can what I got. Well, that's not the Christian life. That's a poor imitation. Our assignment is to abide in the vine so he can do what he wants to through us because only he is God and only he can do what God can do. So, to end it, how are we filled with the Spirit of Christ moment by moment? How do we live that life? Well, it's been written about by a lot of different folks, a lot of different illustrations. Campus Crusade or Crew, they used to show a couple of pictures of a couple of chairs, uh, like a throne or a control center. One of them would have S for self. One of them would have a cross. It's a simple thing. At any moment of any day or any night, who is sitting on the control center of your life? Is it you or is it Christ? You can change that chair a couple of hundred times a day at any moment so that then suddenly if I'm really angry at somebody, I have a choice. Am I going to sit on the throne here and rip their heads off because that's going to feel so good for me to tell them exactly what I think? Or am I going to let Christ sit on the throne of my life and show kindness and forgiveness as he has shown me? InterVarsity gave away books years ago called My Heart, Christ's Home. And the idea is that as I grow in my Christian faith, I started allowing him to have more and more access to my heart, my life as his home because he resides, he lives inside me. And what I like about that is uh, way up there in the top corner up in the attic, they have like a trunk because we all have secret sins. We all have different areas of control. We don't want to give over to God. We all have whatever. And the trick is, when can I grow enough that I'll tell them any area? I want you to go in, clean up any room of my life you want to. I want you to take control of it. Charles Ryrie, uh, one of my seminary professors and Marty's seminary professor, said to be filled with the Spirit is to be controlled by the Spirit. And he likened that out of Ephesians where uh, we're told, hey, don't be drunk with wine, but instead be filled with the Spirit. The idea is that, you know, you take a drink, it immediately starts having some control on you. The dopamine gets released. You start feeling pretty good. The inhibitions maybe get a little lowered. You keep drinking. After a while, your speech is a little slurred. You're maybe not walking as straight. It's very clear that there's an outside element in control. And he's saying, I want you to be controlled by the Spirit. I want you to yield to the Spirit. Laura and I have been watching uh, the Ken Burns documentary on country western music and one of the artists on there said that country western music is three chords in the truth. I uh, <laughs> kind of like that. But Carrie Underwood, that's why I had her up there on that last slide. 
She had a song a few years back. It actually, theologically, was pretty good for what I'm talking about today. It was a song about a young mother whose life has fallen to pieces. The baby's in the back. She nearly has an accident on an icy road going home. And in a moment of fear, she just throws up her hands and cries out, Jesus, take the wheel. And it goes on. And when you read the words of the song, Jesus, take the wheel, take it from my hands, because I can't do this on my own. I'm letting go, so give me one more chance. Save me from the road I'm on. Jesus, take the wheel. This is the one I like, and we'll end with this. How to be filled with the Spirit. Surrender your life to the Holy Spirit's control. In other words, be sensitive to his leadership, his guidance, obedient to his prompting, dependent upon his strength. I must do that a few hundred times a day when I'm trying to walk in the Spirit. I just did it a few minutes ago before I got up here. I had about like 18 minutes. I didn't want to waste 18 minutes of your time. I wanted to give you something that would help you grow in your spiritual walk. So I prayed a simple prayer. Lord, fill me with your Spirit. Speak through me. Teach through me. Act through me. It was that simple. I pray that sort of prayer hundreds of times a day. When I finally get to the point that I'm praying it a thousand times a day, I'll be on the right path to the Spirit-filled life. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you that you did not leave us to our own devices. You not only saved us, but now you live inside of us and you offer to live your life through us so that we might truly know what abundant living is. Help us all to learn what it is to walk in the Spirit, to be filled with the Spirit, to live the Christ-filled life. I ask that. Knowing that it is...